Welcome to the Connect Podcast, presented by Hastings People, a collection of conversations with people who are doing interesting things in hospitality, retail, FMCG, and any other place we happen to find them. For more information on our guests or Hastings People, please visit our website www.hastingspeople.com.au or email us via info at hastingspeople.com.au. So, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, Welcome to Hastings Connect, just a a bit of an industry podcast from us uh, sharing insights, I guess, with leaders in the industry. Uh, It's my first one, so apologies if I stumble around a bit. Um, With me, we have David Krenich, who's the Director and General Manager at Three Kings Wine Merchants, uh, ex-LVMH, with an illustrious career there. Uh, And more excitingly for me, we've got Nathan Sharp, who did 16 years for the Wallabies or 16 years for, for Rugby Australia and then now has also partnered up with David Kranich in this, in this wine industry. So thanks so much for joining me, boys. Really appreciate it. Good Phil. How are you? Yeah. Yeah, thanks for having us, Phil. Really appreciate it, mate. Absolute pleasure. Um, I might kick off with you, DK, because I guess we know each other a bit better. I mean, it was 16 years with Maud Hennessy or LVMH. You know, moving through the ranks from sales rep, maybe. I mean, maybe back on your LinkedIn profile, you haven't put in Coffee Boy, but it's a it's a long time, and you've worked well up through the ranks. How uh, how did you feel walking out of that? That's you know, it's huge. Yeah, it was a it was a long career, like you say. Started as Coffee Boy, or started right at the bottom and worked my way through. the The business was set up in '03, and that's when I started with Moad Hennessy. So worked my way through to commercial director, finishing up in um, February of this year. Uh, it was a big change, obviously. Yeah. Um, great business to work with, and obviously that's why I spent 17 years there. It really gave me a strong understanding of how to work with luxury brands and build brands, and I guess then I've taken that experience and moved into this startup. So, yeah. Um, with Sharpie uh, and a couple of others, uh, including Ricky Ponting and um, the Backline boys, um, Adam Ashley Cooper, uh, Drew Mitchell and Matt Gitto. So, yeah. So it's, it's been, yeah, it's certainly that's impressive for me. <laughs> I mean, I think I remember the first time I ever talked to you, DK, was when you'd just been made state sales manager and I rang you trying to get a bottle of rum to cargo and you must have been thinking, who is this guy and why is he talking to me about a bottle of rum? But you were pretty nice, actually. You were very polite, which was good. So that was that was nice. Um, and then well, Nathan. Phil, I don't think you're. I don't. I don't think you're the first person that's ever asked for one off something <laughs> into the venue. I actually got it though, Sharpie. That was the difference. He did get oh, it to me. Yeah, yeah. that's the important part. Yeah, delivering on it. <laughs> um, and Nathan, mate, I've like I've watched you on TV, which is why this is so good for me. You know, big rugby fan. <laughs> watched you for years. Uh, I did notice that you and David Kranich both spent the same amount of time with one particular, like, you know, Rugby Australia, which was great. Um, and then, yeah, you've you've managed to get into to wine. How did you get into wine? Not typically associated with second rowers, wine, I would imagine. No, no. Uh, usually our palates aren't that refined, Phil, but um, I, I, what I, I guess it's just, on the back of and the strength of relationships, you know, wine's always been a passion of mine. Uh, and, you know, I'll put my hand up and say that it's a, a journey for me. I'm still learning more and more about it. But, um, you know, I became really good mates with DK uh, from, you know, that rugby side of things and, and, and the involvement that he had across that. Um, and then DK, 
actually introduced me to my, my wife, and uh, that was the best thing that he ever did. And he, he won't go on top of that. But um, as things were sort of, as things were, um, I guess, rounding out for, for DK, we, we started having a discussion around the potential to, to pull this together. And, you know, I, I'd known all the parties involved in a previous life, you know, Ricky and the, the rugby boys. And, Obviously, DK had a really good understanding and relationship with Ben Riggs, who I think in this venture is a really important part of it because, um, you know, certainly one of the things that all of us that have been involved in this didn't want it to become was a, you know, a flash in the pants, sort of slap some people's names on a bottle and throw it out there and just be absolute, you know, crap for want of a better word. And um, I think, you know, Ben Riggs playing his role in that is, is vital because it is a, it, it's a tremendous offering of wines that he that he is um, producing. So it's been a really good win for us. And I think, you know, I've got a really interested business, you know, and, and reasonably entrepreneurial. You know, I started my own company and managed to um, have that uh, sold a few years ago. So I'm always looking for, for things that I'm passionate about and certainly working with good people yeah. um, and ones that are uh, subject matter experts in their own fields but through, through Ben and, and DK and, and my wife. You know, they know that that uh, landscape really well um, is, is something I'm passionate about. So I guess in a short way of getting there, that's how, how we came to be. Yeah. I mean, there are two people that you've mentioned in there that are probably crucial to this. One is Samantha, your wife, Nathan, who I remember yeah. when she was working on the Verve profile. And then Ben Riggs, you did mention, I mean, I guess I did a little bit of research on Ben. I've kind of heard about him, obviously, throughout the years. But, I mean, he's he's got 47 vintages under his belt, probably one of the most awarded winemakers in Australia, I would hazard a guess at, um, based down in South Australia and, and, you know, worked with the likes of Murray Tyrrell and Brian Crozer, I think, from memory. So he's not, yeah, as you say, he's a bit of a powerhouse and I think it's it's great to give yourself that, um, you know, that power in, you know, the fact that he knows how to make great wine. Like you say, it's not just Ricky Ponting's grape juice. It's, it's actually a cracking yeah. wine. Or selection yeah. of wines, which is great, um, and then yeah, and, and and I think that's the key, you know. Like we've got uh, people who, you know, I think one of the things that I've always, and my my old man always say, you know, you've got to be you've got to be smart enough to know that what you don't know, and and you know, when you bring a combination like that together, I think it's pretty powerful. And as you said, you know, Ben Riggs for me, he's, he's um, I've enjoyed his product for a long period of time. He's he's almost the Richie McCaw of, of winemaking, I suppose, <laughs> if you want to translate it across it. That's some big compliments for Ben Riggs. Yeah, yeah, I know. Don't, don't tell him. Yeah. Um, now, tell me, how involved were you two, I guess, in the wine? And I guess Ricky and, you know, Macchiato and Adam Ashley Cooper, like the backline boys as well. How uh, did you taste the wine? Did you just tell Ben what you wanted? How did that work? Well, I guess with, the, with both Ricky and the backline guys, uh, both of them took trips down to South Australia when we were blending and developing the various skews and the products. So they were all heavily involved. I mean, you can even see it through the marketing. We've got all the photos of them involved in um, doing the tastings or out in the vineyards and whatnot. So they're definitely very active in it. The one thing, like Sharpie's saying, we we do did at some stage obviously leave the winemaking to Ben when we as experienced as Ricky might be in drinking wine and Sharpie and whatnot, I mean, there's got to be a point where we say to Ben, you've got, you've got 47 vintages of experience yeah. and a good understanding of what the market wants. So, yeah, you can 
have final sound where we head with it. So, I'm, I'm just yeah. hoping now that I haven't got that wrong. Well, it's he, also good though. Yeah. No, no, no. You're right. I think um, it's it's it is actually nice though. Every time a you know uh, one of the different skews comes out, everyone's very adamant. About, they want to make sure that it's quality. So um, you know, I like the fact that people uh, you know very conscious of what's going out um, and being represented. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, look, honestly, I think the days of you know, I think. ACDC released a wine maybe 12 years ago and probably just put the name on it. And I think those days are gone. People know, like they know quality. And you're right, you've got to have quality or people will just pick you up on it and, and that's the end of it. Um, the good part about our business model too is um, a lot of the other sort of celebrity brands that have been out there have just been a clip the ticket type business model, whereas ours, everyone's investing their own money in. So we've yeah. got we've got a different style of business model to what we've seen with these celebrity wines in the past. So that, I think, is, again, the reason why we can put better quality wine in the bottle because there's not that cost of having to clip the ticket for some celebrity to, to what make you, what they need out of the, the business. Yeah. I guess I'm jumping around a bit, but in terms of industry trends, something I've noticed is there's a lot of minimal intervention, natural, organic, that kind of stuff all that's kind of coming along. Do you ever see that that might be something you guys would look at down the track? Yeah, Ben's got a pretty um, open mind to all those sort of changes that are happening in the marketplace and what consumers are are interested in from a wine perspective. Um, Natural wine's probably got a little way to go. Some of the natural wine is pretty average stuff because obviously it's produced naturally yeah which means it gets uh the chance to do whatever it feels like doing through the fermentation process so yeah so it's just about managing to deliver quality product within the frameworks what consumers are after i guess yeah and then i guess what a what an interesting time to have launched this venture, boys. I mean, uh, bushfires at the start of the year and then, you know, stupid COVID kicking along. So you've built this brand, and I'm assuming you obviously had it in the works, obviously, for a while, but you really launched the brand, I guess, during this pandemic. What did you find was, I mean, I want to start with the best, I think, just because I want some, you know, sunshine and happiness in our lives. <laughs> You want to go out that sharpie, or yeah? Oh, look, <clears throat> I think DK will talk through the technical aspects of some of the ways that um, the teams pivoted through the through those. Um, you know, I think twenty twenty will remain in everyone's memory, um, unless something else tops it. But you know, to this yeah. date, I think it's, uh, it's going to be tough to do. But um, yeah, look, certainly the business plan is completely adapted from when we sat down and started talking about it. Um, you know, earlier in the year. And the way that, um, you know, obviously, particularly DK, Sam and, and um, Ben Riggs have pivoted through this has been exceptional. And it's something I've really enjoyed watching, actually, because, you know, like anything in life, the, the most satisfaction is you get from is is um, creating success from things that aren't, don't run in a linear line, you know. It would be easy if it all just rolled out the way that it looked like on paper, but you know, in reality, small business never does that. And I yeah. think um, there's been some hurdles presented. And so for me, I think the highlight to this point, you know, particularly in the last month, um, you know, the way that the, the, the adaption has taken place has been really, really good to watch. And, you know, um, yeah, what what those three have managed to do and, and steer, the, steer the group um, through so far, 
really augurs well for going forward because, you know, um, there's been some pretty solid headwinds and um, that's just got to swing around and, and, and it'll be a lot of upside once we come through that. Um, so it's, it's been, that's what I've enjoyed the most so far. And of course, I'm the kind of, I'm the, I'm the uh, chief wine taster. So I'm just sort of the around the edges. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, I think getting access to everyone's been an interesting part of it because everyone's had a bit more downtime or time yeah, to be able to put into projects like this. It's probably given us more time to get a stronger base yeah. underneath the business, which has been a good part of it. But, um, yeah, like Sharpie says, there's been plenty of headwind that we've been working through. And yeah. everyone's favourite word, like pivoting, has been a big part of it. So, yeah, so it's been I think uh, something that kept me going when this pandemic really kicked in was the fact that, you know, the Roaring Twenties followed the Spanish flu and, and the swing in 60s followed some other kind of global pandemic. So there's a decade of partying to be done, you know. I think you just need to stock up on supplies. Um, and then in terms of well, customers. We, we, we might have timed it really well then. Yeah, I mean, this is perfect. <laughs> Start off, refine and grow the range. It's just amazing. Well done, boys. Um, how have customers been? I mean, is there any do – you, do you notice a difference? I mean, everybody seemed to really – get cracking on bottles of wine early in the pandemic when we were kind of half locked down. Um, did you notice that, you know, people were ordering more or was it just a case of you were so new you didn't really have any kind of targets or benchmark, I guess? Yeah, I think the the amount that people were purchasing was almost a bit of a hurdle as well because a lot of the retailers who we planned to build a relationship with, they were travelling so fast they couldn't stop to include any sort of new wines into their range. Yeah. So it, it was a bit of an issue for us early on because we couldn't get that access. You could see the river flowing at 100 miles an hour and you just wanted to jump in, but uh, you just couldn't find that point where you could jump in. So that probably gave us a slower start than what we would have liked. Um, but obviously that has allowed us to build a much stronger direct business. Yeah. And our direct business has been... Yeah, exceptional. I mean, our little website's chugging away and it's had you know, over the last two or three months, you know, 50,000 visitors to that website. So it's huge. it gives you a good understanding of the traffic that we've been able to drive. And and I guess some of the media we've had of late is obviously now making some of those retailers uh, come on board, take some time to kind of talk yeah, us great. through what their needs are. Yeah. Do you want to call out some of those tip-top retailers? Sorry, what was that? Where do, you, where do we buy it? Uh, you know, without going online, any retailers in Sydney, we can just walk in and pick up a couple of bottles. Oh, definitely. I mean, Shorty's Liquor, as you'd be quite familiar with, uh, they work with the brands, uh, Camperdown Cellars, Liquor Emporium. All right. Yeah. Um, Porter's Liquor, Chambers Cellars are about to come online. So most of the major so it's a good footprint. stores. Yeah. yeah. Without, without, I guess. IBAs. They haven't acquiesced to, Dan, uh, to Dan's yet. Um, no, I guess that's been a bit of a learning. Some of those bigger, um, con- those bigger retailers uh, have been slow in the uptake to an extent, but yeah. also now looking at the way we've established our business, we have to understand whether they're the right move to develop uh, the brands as well. I think it's but, pretty smart, I mean, not to go into the big ones because your brand is premium. You, you know, you know that Dan's are going to... They're going to ask for a sharp price, you know, no matter what. So it depends on if you want to move volume or keep your brand, I guess. So I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I think it, personally I think it's a good thing. Um, yeah, and there's no pressure on us to build volume, and that's yeah. not what we're looking to do. 
we're looking to grow the brands and the brands will then that'll deliver volume off the back of it so it's not a grab for yeah, you know, to turn it into a hundred thousand case brands or anything like that. So, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I think the good thing of it, you know, if you look at the way that I think everyone's uh, approached it, you know, not a lot of sustainable success happens overnight. And you know, Ricky was talking last week in one of his uh, interviews that you know he'd like his son to sort of be in a position to take over his wine legacy. You know, so you know, he's all about quality and, and longevity as well. So, those things, I guess, will come with. Um, a good base that, that DK and Sam and, and, and Ben are certainly heading in the right direction for. Yeah, I agree. There is like quick brands, uh, quick to succeed and quick to fail. Um, did the did the COVID, did the pandemic, did it affect your on-premise strategy if you had an on-premise strategy? Oh, 100%. I yeah. mean, we were obviously, through my time at Moat Hennessy, on-premise was a big part of how that business would run. So obviously a lot of my relationships sat within that on-premise marketplace. And that was a big part of our strategy to get, you know, liquid to lips, basically, to get the wine in people's mouths that we could prove to people that we were delivering a quality product, right? And, yeah, um, yeah the fact that the on-premise has been effectively shut down has, has pretty much taken that away from us, which which we're now starting to rebuild. We're starting to see a lot of um, on-premise people come to us, guys who are really creative and have some good, strong concepts that they want to move forward with. Yeah, and you can see the good operators looking for those avenues and coming to us and That's saying, good. "Look, I think and yeah, is this uh, or that that we can work on." There's a lot of chat recently, and I guess this is across all um, all liquor categories, really on and off premise, but about quality over quantity. You know, all the stats would suggest people are drinking better but drinking less and spending more. And you know, you've got a quality product. You know, we talked about not looking and striving for volume. I mean, did, did that affect? In terms of a pricing strategy, did you want to position yourselves a certain way or were you just like, nah, we just want to offer value? How, how did it work that way? Well, we always wanted to have quality products. We've got quality brands that, that could sustain you know, better price points within the marketplace as well. And we wanted to have good quality wine that when people tried it, they you know, wanted to have a second glass. So sometimes that's difficult when you're trading sort of under – under a $15 mark. Most of our wines sit within that $20 plus range. So it just gave us the freedom then to to get better quality juice into the bottle. Yeah. And just one last thing, um, maybe Sharpie, you can help me out with this. So ponting wines, get it. Backline wines, I quite understand. What's the King's Creed? Where did that come from? Yeah, I think for us the King's Creed, you know, it's it's about the world that we live in at the moment, and, and we think you know this this COVID pan, uh, pandemic has been a really uh, poignant time for us because when we when we created that uh, brand, you know, the world's moving so quickly at the moment. We want to encourage people to stop and have a think about the way in which they live or the, the things that, that I, I guess they hold as pillars with, as to how they live. You know, that, what's what's their creed, what's their concept, and what do they value in life? So. You know, we're really interested in building that brand around um, a lot of people that want to enjoy the wine, but they want to come on that journey with us and talk about some of the things that uh, I guess guide them in their in their journey. You know, so the pandemic the pandemic uh, has gone through, and um, you know, I, I think there's no more important time than now to to be considering that creed that you live by, and every individual is going to be different. So, you know, we we sort of saw that as a bit of a community to start uh, having people 
talk about those things that they hold valuable in their own eyes. So that's that's essentially the essence of where the King's Creek came from. Yeah, um, good. It seems yeah. like it's a real, like it's not just a fluffy brand story that someone made up. It seems like it actually means something to you and maybe you as well, Kranich, I'm sure. But, you know, that's it's, and I think that's important. I mean, the realistic, you know, the more realism and truth you put into a brand, the more, again, it talks about longevity and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, and look, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I think for, for us when we brought this group together, one of the things that I'm, I'm really passionate about is working with, like-minded people that you trust and and i get satisfaction in working with a with a team around me you know and, and that's part of my career in life so um I, I think that, that you know as we as we go down that uh road and work a little bit more on king's creed that, that'll come to light as we go but you know certainly at the moment with the um high profile sporting people that have come across they're, they're probably the flavor of the month at the moment but we'll, we'll work through that as part of our business plan plan yeah. is to as we as we push those forward and back, you know. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Um, is there anything cool. unique that you guys have done? I mean, Dave, you've got, as we said, so much experience in the sales kind of world. Sharpie, you've got experience everywhere. I mean, I, I looked at your, I downloaded your resume from LinkedIn this morning. You've got a, a bunch of experience, a lot of ambassador roles, um, you know, your own business in, in people management, which is, you know, there's a bit of selling in that as well. Is there anything you guys yeah. kind of thought, we just want to do something a little bit different and a little bit quirky, maybe. Or, well, from from my yeah, I guess one of the th- yeah one of the things. Obviously, we had this, this celebrity angle that we could use when we launched the brands, and um, with with um, the pandemic, we couldn't have the event activity that we probably originally planned to have. So we pivoted pretty quickly and have started to use online um, in you know, Zoom technology to conduct tastings and whatnot to deliver the brand and the personalities into, um, well, the first incident of that was the media event that we had with, with Ricky Ponting. Um, and we really learnt off the back of that 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 sort of engagement is something that I think is going to be part of the way we communicate moving forward. Yeah. And it's something that consumers are even looking for. So we're looking to build concepts around that. So we've found that to be something new that we've adapted and brought into our marketing plans. So. Is, is that Does that mean like you send out a range, like a bottle, and just go jump on, jump on Zoom and follow our tasting? Is that how that works? Yeah, with the media, we sent um, we do we did a nice little collaboration with the Hamper Emporium. They do some pretty impressive hampers. I've so seen we sent it, yeah. uh, some wine and some hampers out to um, the media that we planned to have an event with, and then we got um, Ricky, myself, and Ben online to to taste through the wines and to talk through the brand. Yeah, nice. And I think the engagement that we got from the media and the way that we're able to deliver that event, Ben's very knowledgeable. Um, on the wines and Ricky is obviously very passionate about his brand and that came through in that forum and it's something that even with Zoom meetings you've, you've, you can have up to 500 people online so it's yeah. something that we can build out to a, to a reasonable size concept if we if we it's, do the right things around it. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. funny. And I think, it, I, I think adapting through that period has been really good in terms of the online side of things because, you know, once and if COVID, you know, the world returns to some semblance of, of um, business as usual, um, then we've got, you know, a lot of the other uh, interactions that we can have with, with, our, um, with, our, with our 
people that enjoy our wines, you know, we can do that all that in person as well in, in private settings, in more intimate settings, but also at bigger events as well. So um, I, I think through it, and we sort of spoke about at the start, uh, the adaptions that's been forced upon the team has been has been good and it's going to allow for growth going forward because it just puts more um, ammunition, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, well, it's giving you a lot more opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you can reach yeah. people in the middle of the desert that you wouldn't ever have seen before, so I think it's great. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, let's say COVID blows away and there's a vaccine, however that works. I mean, what do you what do you think of the future? Any kind of opportunities or any flags? Oh, I guess for the brands that we're building um, longer term, where there's obviously an interest in taking them into overseas markets. So I think with the people that we've got involved, there's there's markets that would be open to Australian wine, and yeah, that's associated with these. Uh, rugby and cricket personalities. So it's, it's going to be interesting for us to see what we can develop for Australian wine overseas as well as part of the long-term growth plans. Yeah, great. Well, I think also the, the other thing that interests us is, is, is collaborating with other with other people. You know, in, in today's day and age, it's, it's becoming a lot easier and people are happy to work in partnership on, on uh, projects where it, it's beneficial for both. Um, parties, you know, so we're, we're looking to collaborate with other groups and other other brands, and, and I think that's something that we, we're exploring more and more now in the background. So um, maybe keep 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 an eye on that. Yeah, listen, I'll start writing submission right now as to why we should join up and work as a brand together, boys. No problem. <laughs> yeah, I might be a demisex sparkling or something like that, a little bit fruity. <laughs> um, hey, anything else, gentlemen? Before we wrap it up. Um, oh, I, th- I think um, for me, I just want to thank Sam, uh, yeah. Nathan's partner, who obviously, as you said earlier, I worked with at Moat and, and put a lot into the work on this project. Um, Nathan didn't mention, but they've had a newborn in the middle of all this ah, as well. Congratulations. So COVID, a newborn, three new brands, and Sam's just powered through all of that. She's an absolute trooper. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's upset I introduced her to Sharpie because that's changed her life for the worst. But other than that, <laughs> yeah, mate, very <laughs> patient managing the two yeah, of you. you Im- oh, you can imagine the, um, the the drama she's had with a newborn and an alcoholic husband because he now drinks copious bottles of wine every night. Someone's <laughs> got to keep the numbers up, Sharpie. I think you're doing yourself a service there. Correct. I'm just. Just play my part, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, gents, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Like I said, it was my first one. I was a little bit nervous, but it was nice to do it with such good people. Uh, congratulations on the launch of Three Kings. I might drop over to Shorty's now and pick up a couple of bottles for the weekend. Um, did you uh, want to – where, so where can listeners buy this? Is there anything just on your website? Yeah, well, what I was going to say, we do have a direct website, uh, which is called uh, threekingswinemerchants.com.au. Yeah. And what we'll do for your listeners, and we'll get you to push the code out as well, is we've got a code called King's Launch, which will give the guys uh, 20% off their purchases. So hopefully we can uh, provide some value there, get them, give them a chance to try the wines and, um, yeah. And just take some off Sharpie so Samantha gets a bit of respite, I guess. 
<laughs> exactly right. Do you know what? I've actually become a, a – uh, the King's Creed Chardonnay is, is, uh, has, has turned my world around. I've become a shardy drinker, which I never thought I would. So, uh, yeah, that, that, it's, uh, it's an interesting interesting discovery for me through this journey. I'll probably left that out, Phil. Yeah, right. Never. I, I, to be honest, I was the same, Nathan, until a couple of years ago. Uh, I would not touch Chardonnay. I think it was that ABC thing. I was like, yeah, I'm just not going to drink Chardonnay, whatever, it's too much of it. Yeah. And then when you get good <laughs> Chardonnay, you realise that you've been lied to all these years. You know, maybe that, that $5 <laughs> yeah. bottle of wine you tried as a youngster wasn't the best Chardonnay and you should probably drink some more. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I did that with Jim Beam when I was 18, mate. It wrecked me for the rest of my um the rest of my, my life after uh, having two big I think you probably did the right back. thing with Jim Beam, to be honest, Sharp. I think you're okay there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gentlemen, thanks again. I really appreciate it. It was lovely to talk to you. Congratulations on the new venture. Um, and, yeah, I look forward to seeing what you guys do in the future. It looks really good. And please uh, say hi to Samantha for me. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we'll do, Phil. Thank, thanks for your time, mate. Really enjoyed that. All right. Cheers, Phil. Thanks. Cheers, boys. See ya.